business license, and it's all good to go, um, but this is gone for now. Uh, no big deal. We got rugs. Thank you. You can't see them, but... <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about, and I mentioned it last week, is why, why do we gather on a Sunday? You know, why, why do this? Why get up early on your day off where you don't have to go to work? And the thing that keeps coming back to me is this is where we get to experience God together. I think God shows up in a unique way when his people are gathered together to seek him. And we come to learn, absolutely, we're going to teach God's word. I think that's very important that this is central. We come to learn to hear the word, but we also come to experience God together. That means we don't just take, but we give. And one of the ways we give is by singing, singing to God and giving to God. Uh, if you're not a singer, that's okay too. You can be praying or meditating during that time. Uh, it's a time where we can come, we can serve others, we can look for people and see where God might want to use us in their lives. But it's important, you know, Paul wrote, don't forsake the gathering together. But why do we gather? And I think it's to experience God. And that's what I've been praying about lately, is that when we get together, that God would be with us. Because I, I was reading something some, it was months ago, but it said, how long can a church last without God there? And it said, a long, long time. Not what you would expect, but a long, long time, as long as they got money. <laughs> a church can last as long as it has money without God even being there uh, and get focused on those things. And I thought, you know what? That's not what I want. <laughs> I want us to experience God. I want us to show up, love one another, love God, and I want God to show up and speak to us. And so it's not about us individually, but it's about us corporately, and it's about what Jesus has done. So that's why we get together. Hopefully, we get to experience God, and when we show up with that spirit, you know, of expectation, I'm going to experience you, God, today. I've prepared myself when I wake up in the morning, uh, and I've come. Hopefully, God will show up in your life, but also maybe through you to others. So that's a side note. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can enjoy you. Thank you that our, our ultimate purpose is to know you, and there is joy there. Thank you for being so beautiful. Thank you for loving us in, in our miserable state before salvation. Um, and then after we are made right with you, we, we continue to fall, but you are so patient and loving. I thank you for that. Father, thank you for who you have in this room right now. I just ask for your blessing, that our hearts would be focused on you, that you would be honored and glorified. And Holy Spirit, if you want to communicate something to us, let us listen. Let us listen. Let us set ourselves aside and listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you are in the fourth week, fourth week of this series called A Better Way. Uh, Jesus' way is a better way to live. And I'm actually adding one more. I was going to finish it this week, but as I was doing my studying and seeking God, he said, no, you're not done yet. You have to have one more week. So one more week in this series, and it's going to be really exciting. Don't miss it. Bring a friend. Um, but this week, and I, I'm really excited. We're going to be in Luke. Luke chapter 12, so turn there, it's page 601 in one of these Bibles. If you need one of these Bibles, raise your hand and Callie will get, Tony will give you one. Somebody, anybody need a Bible? No? That's all right. Um, if you're using your phone or something, we're in the ESV version. But we're going to be in Luke 12, 22 through 32, but the title is The Cure for Anxiety. And I think this is a big one because one of the things that we've talked about and the first week, we looked at the abundant life, where Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we looked at Jesus' invitation. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's just a beautiful invitation for us to come to Jesus and find life. But so many Christians don't find that life. We still struggle with stress and worry and anxiousness and sin and, and all these things. And so the point of this series is how can that life that, that Jesus invites us to be realized? And it begins with Jesus' invitation, come to me. Come to me. And, and we looked at that and we saw that Jesus, a relationship with Jesus changes everything. And so it all starts with coming to Jesus. And then we looked at, we come to Jesus and we want to hear from God. God wants to speak to us primarily through his word. And so we looked at how do we listen to God? We go to his word ideally on a daily basis. And it's not law to make a goal to meet with God daily. You do that with your wife. You do that with a boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're dating. You want to meet with them. And so it's, it's okay to meet with God, although there's some, you know, have some grace with yourself. You're not feeling guilty if you don't make that time. But we seek God through his word, and we seek to hear from him because he wants to speak to us. So we looked at soap. Find the scripture, you know, read something, have a plan, read it. Write down the scripture that sticks out to you. Write down some observations about that scripture. Write down some applications. And then pray that back to God. And what we said is if, if the living God that created everything wants to speak to you, you should probably write it down. <laughs> so that's why, you know, write these things. It's okay to write in your Bible in the margin. But we seek God. He wants to communicate through his word. The next thing we looked at last week is God wants to meet with us in community. Life changes in community. You see that over here are three key relationships, up, in, and out. And in, community is the context for transformation. And so he says, don't forsake the gathering together. Get together. And we saw why. And if you weren't here last week, you can listen to the podcast. It's a little choppy. We're still working on some of that. It should be better this week. But look at, listen to that. To what is the purpose of getting together? And, and I admitted that I'm an introvert. But yet, we're still supposed to get together and live life with one another. And life changes. And we start to live that abundant life together. And today, we're going to look at God's cure for anxiety. Now, this one sticks out to me because for me, as I meet people, people worry all the time. And I find myself getting worried at times. Uh, the, uh, the rate of depression in the U.S. or the medications that people take for depression is staggering. You know, just Medicaid. Actually, I was, somebody had the bulletin this morning and they corrected me. Kelsey, you corrected me because you said the cure for anxiety is Xanax and alcohol, right? Yeah, that's what she said. I just threw her under the bus. <laughs> She didn't mean it. <laughs> but it's, I think there's a valuable point there that in, in general, people do run to these things. They try and escape. They try and escape somewhere to get away from the stresses of life. Uh, but God has a better way. But the first thing I want to do is just acknowledge the fact that there's things that we worry about. So uh, actually, is there somebody with good handwriting that wants to help me? Audrey, do you have good handwriting? Amy, do you have good handwriting? Yes, you do. No. No? All right, I'm going to write then. Oh, fourth and fifth graders? No? And sixth, fourth and fifth, sixth graders. Go away. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. I think we're good. All right, I'm going to write it down then and bear with my handwriting. What do you guys worry about? And let's be honest. You know, we're, we're, we get together. We want to meet with God. And you know what? One of the things that we want here at Common Ground, we want to be authentic. We don't walk in here and put on our Jesus face and pretend like it's all good. I saw a cartoon, I think Callie showed it to me, somebody had it on Facebook, of a wolf putting on 
a, a sheep coat going, okay, I'm going to church, got to get ready <laughs> to, to blend in. You know, we don't need to pretend like we don't worry about things we do. So what do we worry about? Kids. Okay, definitely. And you've got seven. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what else? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fine. <laughs> image, she says. That's, you're right. Image, we do, we do. We do. What else do we worry about? <laughs> she worries about her pastor. Okay. You know, I worry about him too. I know him well. He needs help. <laughs> what else do you worry about? Safety, fire department. Safety. I'm not writing down fire department. <laughs> I'm actually pretty grateful to the fire department. They really worked with us. Our country. Yeah, absolutely, don't we? Our country. Yes. The world. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, Carson City. Sherry, I'm glad to hear you say that. The unsaved. If we, <laughs> I hope, yeah, this shouldn't add to your worries. We're going to solve this. God's going to solve this for us in just a minute. What else do we worry about? Military? Yes. If you have a child in the military, you worry about that. Absolutely. I heard something else over here. Yeah, yeah, we do. We were, yeah, um, yeah, yep. <laughs> That's why one of the things we're working on is doing background checks for our kids over there. We're not even going to do fingerprinting because they said eh, we're doing full background checks. Um, so don't volunteer if you don't want to get a background check. <laughs> Okay, this is plenty. There's a lot to worry about, and we can add to this. Absolutely, we can add to this. But there's things to worry about in life. But you know what? Jesus actually talked about it. So look at Luke with me. And we're going to see four things to not do and one, things, one thing to do that really will handle this in our lives. Starting in Luke 12, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set this up, and I'm going to read before, because the context of what we're reading in general is, is money and stuff. So I'm going to read the parable right before, because it really does set up the context, but we're not going to teach on that. Um, but Luke 12, I'm going to start in verse 16. And this is Jesus. And he told them a parable. Actually, right before this, a guy comes up. There's in a crowd. He's like, hey, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And he's like, what? <laughs> Who made me a judge? And then he, says, he tells this parable. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. 
And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. Did you hear that? God said that. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's the context. People wanting to store up for themselves, plan for the future, all these things and focused on that, but is not rich toward God. This is not a condemnation of the rich, okay? This is a condemnation of seeking security in riches um, and being not rich toward God. Now, here's what we want to focus on, verse 22. And he said to his disciples, picture the scene real quick with me. He's teaching to this group. Somebody yells out, tell them to share the inheritance. He tells this parable, and then he turns to his disciples. So there's a crowd, but now this is kind of an inner circle thing. He turns, and he's talking to those really close to him. And he says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. So he turns to them. And he says, do not be anxious. And now he's going to begin this list of four things not to do in response to this anxiousness and one thing to do. He says, don't be anxious. And then the things that he lists are real things to worry about. I think it's important to notice. He doesn't list things that, you know, don't worry about these things. You don't need them. You do need food. But he's saying, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about what your body, what you will put on. These are basic necessities. Food, clothes, water, shelter, those things. We can add some other ones to us. You know, for us, probably, we need transportation to get to work. There are some things that we need, and Jesus knows that, but he says you don't have to worry about those things that you need. So that's the first one. Don't worry. Don't worry. First thing not to do, don't worry. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Really funny. You have to go home and look it up on YouTube. Uh, remember in the movie Elf, Papa Elf, what's his name? Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart. He does this counseling session where somebody comes in and, and they sit down and, uh, okay, tell me your worries. It's going to take five minutes and it costs $5. She's like, only five minutes? Oh, yeah, this is easy. And she lays out all these things of how she's scared of being buried alive in a box. And he said, okay, write this down. Get out a pen. Okay, stop it. <laughs> and that's his whole counseling session is stop it. She's like, that's it? He's like, yeah, and we've got four minutes left. Anything else? And she lists all these, and he just says, stop it. Well, that's kind of what Jesus says. Don't worry. Stop it. Just cut it out. Stop it. So that's counseling here from now on. Stop it. Um, but, he, but that's what he says. Don't worry. And, and don't worry about your basic necessities. What are your priorities? Uh, in verse 23, he kind of gives the reason. Look at verse 23 again. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. The bo- life is more than stuff. What do you take with you when you go? Well, you take your relationship with God, and you take your relationships with people. Now, this morning, every Sunday, I go to Starbucks, and, and I go back through all this, and I drink a couple cups of coffee, and that's why I'm so wired. And I just kind of meditate, and I pray a lot on, over this stuff. And one of the things that hit me this morning is this context of inheritance, because that's what they were talking about before. And right now, um, I have a grandmother who is is moving stuff out of her house and, and into an assisted living facility. So there's all this stuff that kind of has to go. 
And it's one of those times, and you've probably experienced this maybe after death or in this time where there's all this stuff that's got to go somewhere. And what does the family normally do? They fight and bicker over it all. <laughs> they all want their, st- you know, me, 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 me. Well, I was talking to my mom yesterday, and I said, isn't it neat that that's not happening? She said, it really is. You know, we have, at least this portion of the family, everybody is a follower of Jesus. And so what we're experiencing is people laying out, hey, do you want this? Do you want that? You want... And nobody is the give me stuff. You know, and she shared with me that she brought something home. And she said, but I think, you know, one of the cousins, I think she expressed some interest in it. So I'm going to bring it back down and let her have. And it's just, that's the, you know, because the priority is relationships. But so much of us, we get wrapped up into stuff, my stuff. And that's what he's saying. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Inheritance. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or all this stuff. Um, and then he goes on. Look at verse 24. And he gives a, an example for us. Consider the ravens, birds. They don't sow, sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Listen to that. The birds eat. Application here is very simple. God cares about you more than he cares about the birds, and he feeds them. So what do you have to worry about? He will take care of you. Verse 25, very practical. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? At the end of your life, when you look back, you go, man, I should have worried more. (laughs) I should have stressed over those things a little bit more. No, you can't. Worrying doesn't do any good. And I find myself doing this at times. Um, I'm not, I haven't arrived yet either, just so you know. But I'll find myself, and for minutes and minutes and minutes, maybe an hour, stressing over something and then it's like something hits me and going what did you just gain in that whole hour of worrying about this nothing now you're just bitter <laughs> or you're anxious or you're stressed you gain nothing from worry just let it go is what he's saying you gain nothing look at verse 26 if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that why are you anxious about the rest another example consider the lilies How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. Here's here's what he's saying. You worry about all these things, but God knows that you need them. Your father knows that you need him. Remember when when we started out and we look at this, who are we? When you by faith place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, when you accept him, you are adopted by the living God. He adopts you. He takes rid of what you used to be and he makes you something new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. In Christ you are a new creation. And then he brings you in his family. You are royalty. You are a son or a daughter of the king. You're a prince or a princess. You're gonna see a princess out begging for food. (laughs) or a prince, he will take care of you. Do my kids worry about food? Do they go to bed wondering, what am I going to eat tomorrow? No, they don't. Why? Well, they know I'm going to provide for them. Part of it. You know, we live in a, a country where everything's right there, but they trust mom and dad to provide. How much greater is our heavenly father than you and me as moms and dads? He will provide what we need. He is plenty, plentifully able. I don't know if that's a real word. He's able to give us all we need, and he wants to. So why worry? He's a good dad. He's a better dad than you dads. He's a better dad than me by far. He will provide. We don't need to worry. 
But what he says here, oh, this is in your notes, if you're a note taker, you don't have to worry because as a son or a daughter of the king, you are extremely valuable to your father. Extremely valuable. Look at verse 29. He says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. There's two more prohibitions in there. He says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. What he's saying isn't, you know, don't go work, don't do the things you need to do. But that word seek is to set your heart on. Don't set your heart on these things. And so this is in your notes. Number two, do not set your heart on physical needs. This seek, it's very active. It's like a detective trying to get to the bottom of something. You know, going, I'm consumed with this, trying to build up my portfolio. I'm consumed with having savings so that we'll be provided for. I'm consumed with these things. Don't be consumed with that. Do not seek after these things. Here's, here's something to think about. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? What is it? That's the stuff that you're thinking about. That's the stuff that you stress over, probably. I do. So what is it that pops to mind? He says, do not seek. This is very active. And then he says this in that same verse, verse 29, do not be anxious. He says it again. But this is a different word than anxious or worry that we saw before. This one, it means don't be anxious, this is in your notes, doubtful or unsteady. Don't be worried, don't be anxious. This, this word, it means to be suspended in midair. You know, that it means, you know, if you're, you're up and you're waffled, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure if I can trust God. I'm not sure what's going to happen. This is, that's what you need to avoid. It's an unsteady spirit. Um, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were, they were really stressing over some things. I said, why are you so anxious? What are you worried about? I don't know what's going to happen. I said, you don't know what's going to happen, and so you're worried. Yes. Really? <laughs> So, so you're worried because you're not sure. We never know what's going to happen. So if, you, if you're worried because you don't know what's going to happen, you're going to live in a state of anxiety for the rest of your life because we don't know what's going to happen. But do you know who holds the future? When you know who holds the future, you don't have to be waffled. And, and this person was just, they were, they were blown in the wind. If things go my way, I'm going to be okay. If things don't, I'm worried, I'm anxious. That's what this word is talking about. Don't be thrown in the air because we have a rock. <laughs> we have something to hold to is what he's getting at. Don't be in the wind. The, the example that came to me, I was, I don't know how old I was, 12 years old maybe. And I was in the park. Me and my sisters were at the, the town park, the city park. And my cousin was there. My cousin was kind of a ruffian. But we found a $20 bill in the park. It had blown up against the fence. And so we found it. And of course, we were really excited about this $20 bill. And this guy, uh, I remember him being kind of a bully, quite a few years older than us, and he came up and said, that's my $20 bill. Well, we knew it wasn't. And for me, I would have been like, yeah, whatever, take it, but not my cousin. He's like, no, it isn't. You know, and I mean, he's here, and this guy, you know, no. And I mean, it was getting really heated, and my sister, who's two years older than me, she came running down, and she's one of those that would want to kind of take control, and now she's all worried, and something's going to happen, and you know, Jared and Derek are going to get beat up by this guy, and and so, you know, and I, here I am, and I'm, I'm unsteady. I'm worried. What's, what's going to happen? I don't know. Well, my dad drives by, and my sister sees it, and she runs up and flags him down, and my dad comes walking, and all of a sudden, I went from to, <laughs> I became steady. I knew what, I, I knew what the outcome was going to be because I trusted my dad, and the park was right by the sheriff's station. My dad came and grabbed the kid and took him to the sheriff's station, but I was confident because of the presence of my father. That, and that's the point here. 
if you're tossed around, it's because you're not confident in your father. You know he loves you, right? You know he has all the power, so why are we worried? And that's, that, that's what he's talking about here. You have a rock. You have somebody. You have the living God who is your father who loves you. Why are you worried? Worry is simply a lack of faith. It is, isn't it? It's a lack of faith. And a lot of these things we have to think about, but we don't have to worry about. Let's look on. We're going to beat that horse to death. Verse 30 says, The nations seek after these things, and your father knows that you need him. There's a theology aspect to this, in, in that you need to know that your father knows that you need it and can provide it. But then there's an action that needs to take place. There's an aspect where right belief needs to go to right action. And here's, here's what I do want to apply this before we move on to what we do do in response or instead. How do you live out that faith? So what I just described is we know we have a rock. We know we have a God who loves us, knows what's best, and can do something about it. And so how do we realize that faith? It takes active um, it takes doing something about it. I, I met with someone recently, and they were stressing and worried, and, and I said, okay, well, how's your giving? <laughs> and they said, well, not good. We can't afford it right now. I said, there's, there's a connection. There's a connection between faith realized, meaning the peace, joy that we experience, and how we act on that faith. Um, where's Zach? I want Zach. Zach, hey, Katie's here. Are you going to come up? Zach and Katie, come here. Bring Piper. It's okay. Zach and Katie are going to share with us a, a, a time in their life where this became real, this taking faith and putting it into action. Um, so Zach, start us off. Just share real quick what happened with you guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. Zach's spiritual gifts are faith and giving. Yours are administration. And what else do you know of? Okay. So faith is in there, but but you do the budget, so it's, you're a detail person. So you're looking at the details. Okay. Go on.
wasn't a very good leader in the house, and I think that was the turning point of saying, now I'm going to do this as business, I don't work for Christian Stone, it's for God Stone, it's for Christian Stone, so. Well, he ended up like leading Mark's team, like hmm. everybody had to take different roles with Mark's team, and he was like the head, so I guess he had to be the leader in the house, and Ken just really went out about peace with the church, um, and he just decided to make it a church on the island, hmm. and he didn't want to sacrifice anything else, he didn't want to cut the budget, um, and it's simple growth, you should not have <laughs> um, just things like that kept happening, and he never missed a bill. But what happened is our hearts started changing um, to be more in line. We didn't really care about the extra stuff in the budget anymore as much as we cared about church. Mm. And so what ended up happening is, after a little while, we said, well, we don't really need to pay this. Like, that was that church leader at the time. We are not paying for this for this. Like, if it comes down to that, <laughs> then there's a problem. <laughs> it, it, hockey. Yeah. Got to watch the hockey, yeah. Meaning you have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we realized that is so like such a waste of our time and it should be used elsewhere. And we started caring more about what was happening at church than what was happening at the TV. <coughs> and so we just it just led us to spend more time serving, more time, you know, just being involved in our in our small groups and it 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 changed everything for us and mm. really started to live more holy also and that became a focus. What did you learn about God in that process? Neat. So, would you agree that the faith that you had grew? Absolutely. That the peace that you had grew because you realized God's got it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was even just in contextualizing it, like the first year we didn't make any difference. But, but the difference was our hearts had changed. Yeah. And so it didn't matter because then the next year we were excited to have budget passes, which is something that we had never thought would happen or would do on a day to day. That's and cool. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Would you guys add anything else? No? You got something on your mind. Share it. Because somebody might benefit from it. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, give them a hand. You know, I, I uh, heard a pastor teaching once that he taught that. He taught about 
you know, giving and, and shooting for 10% as kind of a baseline and go up. And after the service, a very, very wealthy individual came up and he said, do you have any idea how much I make? I can't give 10%. You know how much that would be? And the pastor just looked at him and said, you know what? Let me pray for you. He said, Lord, I pray that you would lower this man's income <laughs> to the point that he could give, <laughs> you know, generously and sacrificially. And he's like, that's not what I asked. But, but there's the, the point that... I, they shared that privately with me, and I asked them to share that because what they just shared was active faith. It was, God says to do this. I don't see how that's going to work. I'm going to do it. God shows up, and what they said, they experienced the peace, the joy, all those things that Jesus promises, come to me. That's what they experienced when they acted on their faith. Um, maybe you remember Abraham. When Abraham was called to leave his country, God spoke to him and said, leave your country and go to a place I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him where he was going to go. He said, pack up and go. I'll show you where you're going to go. And he did. He obeyed. And then he became the father of a great nation. And, and we all know it's all history. But there's something about acting on the faith that becomes real. But then there's a heart issue. And there's an action. So let's look at verse 31. Verse 31. And now here's what we do do. Instead... Instead of all these things, instead of worrying and being anxious and storing up, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Instead, seek his kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God. This is the same word as used earlier. Do not seek after what you will eat, drink, wear, but do seek after, meaning diligently look for. Maybe you heard you know, the parable of the, the pearl of great price or the treasure buried in a field and and so you're seeking after God. Now, I think there's something valuable. We talk about the kingdom a lot. In fact, our mission statement here is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. What is the kingdom? Because so much of, of North American Christianity, we talk about salvation. But we don't talk a lot about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? And I want to give you a definition of the kingdom. And I apologize, I didn't give this to Joe before. So it's not going to appear up front. But here, here's a... An, a definition of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with him. This is the kingdom. Remember Jesus came and he said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is among you. It is here. The kingdom of God starts now and will extend into eternity. But the kingdom of God, this is God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with him. Right now, we are part of the kingdom. This is, this is uh, some citizens of God's kingdom. We're aliens right now in northern Nevada, and we're getting together, but we're part of God's kingdom because God's at work here. And our job is to expand the kingdom both in our own lives, get closer to him, and out. So seek first his kingdom, that is God's presence, God's action, God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with him. Is this what we seek at first? Think about that. Now that I just defined the kingdom, is that first priority in your life? Because that's what he's saying. Seek after it as first priority. That's in your notes. Under how to experience the abundant life through Jesus, seek Jesus' kingdom as top priority in your life. Listen, ambition for God's kingdom cancels out worry. Think about those words. Ambition for God's kingdom cancels out worry. You get a different focus. It's not about me anymore. Kind of like what Zach and Katie were sharing. It's not about me. It's not about my cable. It's not about me. It's now about God's kingdom. And I become ambitious for what God wants to accomplish, not about what I want to accomplish. 
things change. Things change in your heart. They shared some of that. Their heart started to change. They cared more about what God was doing than about what was going on in their own life or what they were going to do. There's, it all runs together. So you seek first his kingdom and you act on that. This is all active. It's not just a belief thing. It's an active thing. Again, ambition for God's kingdom cancels out worry. But then, then look at verse 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. A little flock, a little flock of sheep, very vulnerable. <laughs> fear not, little flock, but it is your father, your son or daughter of the king, your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom first, you're guaranteed to get it. You're guaranteed. When you put God's mission first in your life, God is first, and you seek after him, not these things, he's going to give you what you need. Maybe not what you want, but he's going to give you the basic necessities of life. He promises that. He's going to give you that, and then he promises you the kingdom here and eternally. What are you going to take with you? <laughs> what are you going to take with you? Nothing, but you'll be part, you're guaranteed the kingdom. It's done. Now, here's something that has stuck out to me as I've studied this over the past couple weeks. We're not guaranteed to get the kingdom if you see the fruit of it in this life. You're guaranteed to get the kingdom if you seek it. So here's what it looks like for me. My ambition personally right now is to see this city churched. I want to see Common Ground and the other churches grow to bursting at the seams, people living their faith, people coming to Christ. That's my ambition. But guess what? I'm not judged on the success of that. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it, that's not up to me. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. But I'm going to seek that, and God continues to show me things I need to set aside for Him. And as I am obedient to do those things, I'm guaranteed to be part of His kingdom. It's guaranteed. It's already guaranteed because <laughs> I placed my faith in Him. It's not about the result of what I do, but I'm going to keep doing it for His glory. Does that make sense? A lot of times we want to look at the fruit. It, is what I'm doing accomplishing it? Well, the question is, is what you're doing obedient to God's heart? Then, then you're good. <laughs> then you're acting. Are you, are you giving in the way that God would have you do? Then, then you're okay. Are you living your life for others, uh, attempting to share your faith, being bold, building relationships with non-believers, whether they come to him or not? That's really not up to you. And I think it was uh, Livingston who was a missionary to Africa. I think he was there for 20 years before he had his first convert. Did, was he a failure? <laughs> no. After 20 years, that one convert was pretty influential and went on to do great things. That guy did. <laughs> so you never know what God is doing, but our job is to be obedient, to seek his kingdom, and we're guaranteed to win. Remember, we said this before, Jesus on the cross, it is finished. The, the war is won. The war is won. We don't have to worry about that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Again, ambition for God's kingdom cancels out worry. Do not fear. This is the last point, number four. Do not fear you're guaranteed an inheritance in the kingdom. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I put that in because when we're seeking God's kingdom first, one of the natural things is other people become more important than you. One of our values here at Common Ground is it's not about me. And we just kind of put it that simply. It's not about me. We fight for peace. It's not about me. When all of us have the attitude it's not about me, that's a beautiful place to be. A marriage where both of them say it's not about me, you're in for a great life together. I'm serious. <laughs> it's not about me. 
And that's what happens as we seek God's kingdom first. It's about his kingdom, what he's doing. I'm further down on the list. It's not about me. Now, as I've looked at my own life, and I look at periods of spiritual growth, uh, periods where I, you know, shot up or whatever, the sun was out, there was lots of water, and I grew, and I experienced more of the joy and peace, it wasn't times of great intellectual learning. That's kind of the weird thing, is that I look back at my life, it's times when I was engaged in kingdom work for his glory and for other people. So when I went to college, you know, I got a minor in Bible, uh, just standard college, the, the most growth that came during that time was in the relationships with people and in the thing, the, the actions that we did. So I was a, a volunteer. I went to Watts. If you ever listen to rap music, you've heard of Watts. <laughs> but we went, I went to Watts and helped with an inner city program. I grew more from that experience than I did from any of the l- book learning that I got. Um, going on mission trips and focusing on others, that's when I grew the most. That's when I experienced the joy and the peace and, and the purpose, when I acted on it, not just knew it. Maybe you've experienced the same as you look back. When have you had the most joy and peace in your life? You were probably focused on others. Probably. That's the way God works. It's countercultural. It doesn't happen, let me just say this, it doesn't happen by attending church every Sunday. It doesn't. It happens by engaging in God's mission. Engaging, acting on what God wants to do for His kingdom. That's when it happens. Now, I want to apply this real quick, okay? We've gone through this. We understand it. Seek God's kingdom first. How do you seek God's kingdom first? How do you do it? What's that look like? So how do we act on that? Three things. What do you do with your time? What do you do with your talents? What do you do with your treasure? This is where it becomes very, very practical. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook if you use it. (laughs) Look at your bank account. Where does your money go? Be honest with yourself. This, This isn't a push because we need more money. You know, churches always struggle with that. Or you hear people, oh, church just always wants money. You know what? I want you to grow with him, meaning you need to be diligent, faithful givers so that you can experience just what Zach and Katie were talking about. Wherever you give, give into his work, but your time as well. Where does your time go? Is it all in, in catching up on your DVR shows that you, you haven't seen? And your talents. God has given you, if you are a follower of Jesus, he's given you talents. They're called spiritual gifts. And it's up to you to take your time to to hone those, to grow those, to use those for the building up of his kingdom. So this is how we apply it. And when you get active, then you will start to experience the abundant life. Just by knowing that this is the case won't help you when you act on it. So I want you to think about that. What are your gifts? What are you good at? And where are your passions also? What excites you? Because here's, as I think about what we're doing here with Common Ground and going, it's not going to be about you coming here and hearing Derek's vision and Derek's dreams. That's not going to help us. It's you building your relationship with God and, and you getting dreams. <laughs> you getting a passion for what God wants to do and then you going and acting on it. What's in your heart? Is it your neighbors? Is it the lost in your community? Is, is wealthy, are wealthy people on your heart? That, that may be. Maybe you don't have a heart for the poor, and, but maybe you have a heart for those that have so much money, they can't even see God. Well, do something with that. You know, God gives you those things, but it's not up to me to tell you how to do it. It's up to you and your relationship with God to go engage in his kingdom work, and I'll help you with that. We'll help each other with that. That's why we have the community, but what's that look like? But God has given you things. Now, here's a little plug. Next week, come to training after the service. There's ways you can serve here. There's ways that, that we need help. This is a start, though. 
You know, I think it's very important what we do out. But we do. We need help back there. Joe does a lot of stuff. Tony does some stuff. <laughs> but, but no, we, we need help running the soundboard, running the media. We need help with kids. Uh, if you're a musician or, or you want to pretend to be, um, you know, <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> but we, you know, greeter ministry. You know, how do, we, how do we make people feel welcome and plug people in? These things, we're going to have a training. So if you would, these are on the back, okay? We want to know how many are coming because lunch is provided. Um, but fill it out, name, total attending, and then the areas you might be interested in, and those areas are on the front. Is it kids, music, hospitality, that's greeting and stuff like that, audiovisual? Write that down so we know you're coming. But this is one way to serve. Uh-oh, Katie has something to say. Oh, and how many kids need child care? Because child care is provided. But this is one of those ways, we, we do want to help you get involved. Now, I got to throw one thing in. You don't always, if you're not serving, serve, even if it's not your favorite thing. Does that make sense? You don't want to hold out, well, I haven't found the thing that fits my gift yet. Get involved and serve <laughs> and be willing to be adjusted by God. Let God move you around. But get involved. Get involved focusing on others. Then, here's what's going to happen. On Sunday, when you come, you're going to think about some, what you're doing to give, how you're serving, not just what you're going to get from the pastor, from the music, whatever. How are you going to give out? Um, and it's just a piece, to be honest. It's just a piece. that I think a lot of the important stuff we do is relational serving, which can't happen here. That's why, what we talked about last week. It's in outpost groups. It's in building relationships. It can't happen here. But as we do this, as we engage, we will experience the abundant life. God promises it. I promise it. It's when it's not about you. Again, ambition for God's kingdom cancels out worry. That's the cure for anxiety. <laughs> Get involved with God's mission. Seek his kingdom first. Let me pray, and then we are going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, that it's not about me. Thank you that we are already guaranteed the kingdom because of Jesus, what you did on the cross. That we don't have to now earn a place in your kingdom. We have a place in your kingdom because of you, Jesus. Thank you. That alone gives me peace. Thank you that for some reason we are your plan A to change this world. Jesus, you want to reach people for you. And plan A is your church, your people. Thank you for that. Thank you that we have a purpose now. And it's, it's the most important purpose there is in the world. So thank you. But thank you that we can trust you for the results, that it's up to you. God, we love you so much. Um, it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do, this is a little different.